How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here with edition number 12 of Joe vs. the World. Our guest today is our second repeat offender. It's Matt Feuerstein. Boy, I hope I said that right again. Matt, yeah, how huh? you doing? You did. Oh, very good. How you doing today? I'm doing really good. How is it going? It's going, it's going great. That's good to hear. Uh, we were going to have you on the show a few weeks back to talk about the ROH Destiny show, but you had a little car trouble. Well, what happened exactly? Yeah, well, actually, I was in a uh, a pretty big car wreck, actually. It was, a, I mean, just my car, so nobody else was around, nobody got hurt, but my car was totaled, so there was no driving to Connecticut that weekend. That's too bad. You weren't at that show, but you were at uh, Death Before Dishonor 4, uh-huh. the big ROH show. Uh, what are your quick overall thoughts on the show? I thought it was a really good show. Um, I When I first got back, I looked online on the ROH board, and I saw that there were some people complaining about it, and I was kind of surprised. But then kind of as, as time wore on, when more people were getting back and posting thoughts, most people seemed to agree with me that it was, you know, it was one of the best shows, like, top to bottom that I've seen. There was really nothing on the show that I would consider less than pretty good, and the best stuff was, you know, excellent. So I'd say overall it was a, a really fun show. Uh, how many people were there? Uh, Got to have been the biggest crowd in Philadelphia they've had since uh, since the Great Muda show in 2003. Wow. Um, yeah, there were because um, they they opened up two two sides of bleachers, which they also did back in April at the 100th show. Mm-hmm. But at the 100th show, they um, like they opened up the CZW side of the bleachers partially, and so like it wasn't full, you know, wasn't full seating capacity and. Even then, it wasn't completely full. But this time, both bleachers were completely open, and both of them were completely packed. Wow. So, so I mean, people people said that the 100th show had 1,000 people, and this one had 1,100. Mm-hmm. But this one seemed to have more than 100 more people than the 100th show. Like, it seemed really packed. Oh. Were you there for any of the uh, student matches on the pre-show? Yeah, I was. Um, the first one was a, um, a, six, a six-man scramble match with... Um, Mitch Franklin, both MC brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else was in the match? Uh, Rhett Titus. A um, couple other people I don't really remember. Uh, I believe it was Alex Payne and Antonio Blanca. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't oh. even I wouldn't even recognize <laughs> yeah. them if I like if I saw them. So because the other the other students um, are have been around longer, so I kind of gotten to know their names by now. But yeah, that match was I don't know, I don't really remember anything about it. The CZW crowd was. Uh, was crapping on it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is awful chance, which they also had for the uh, they also had for the other student match, which was um, Shane Hagedorn defending the top of the class trophy against Pele Primo, and Hagedorn won pretty you know pretty nothing match. You know those matches are you know they're never they're never so terrible, but they're not especially memorable at any particular time. Yeah, Ring of Honor kind of has a problem. The way they kind of do this with their trainees, they try to set it up like Japan, where you have the guys they, in Japan, you know, young boys, they open the show, they do simple matches, and right. the, the fans kind of appreciate that. But but eventually you're supposed to move up the card, and none of the students have really gotten out of being students. I mean, No, yeah, Shane, ha- Shane Hagedorn was in the first class, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember seeing him uh, two years ago at the first Weekend of Thunder show. Yeah. So, he, I see, I mean, and he's, he's, still in the, you know, he's still in the pre-show, and he's still... He hasn't really yeah. done anything. Yeah, he's he's thought of as a student now, but I guess technically he's been a pro for you know well over a year, right? So oh yeah, almost two. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, hopefully things yeah. work out for those guys. So far, the uh, the ROH training school, you know, the guys they've produced seem you know 
fairly solid for their experience level, but they haven't had any sort of great success. No, they kind of have that stigma about them. Even when they wrestle in other federations, like in yeah. Chikara, they're still the ROH students, and right, right. They, you know that carries a stigma about it. But yeah, maybe they'd be better off not like publicizing their students and letting them just you know start out as independent wrestlers. Yeah, but. maybe. Whatever happened to Davey Andrews? He I thought he had a lot of potential, but he just kind of vanished. I've I've heard that he just yeah that he just either wanted to take some time off or just didn't see it going anywhere. But yeah, he was definitely he was really good. I um I hope that he, you know, that he maybe tries it again. I definitely thought he was the most impressive of all the students. Mm. But I well, you know, may, sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, go no, go ahead. I was saying maybe that um, Brian Danielson, since he's a trainer now, will uh, add a little bit more prestige to the, you know, to the guys coming out of that school. It's like you know I like CM Punk and I like Austin Aries, but at the same time. Usually, like, if, if I were to be a wrestler, which I will never be, but if I were to be a wrestler, I think I would want to be trained by somebody who's kind of been all over, had a lot more experience than a couple of, like, 20-something indie guys. Mm. But if uh, if I were to be trained by somebody under the age of, of 25, 30, I think, uh, I think Brian Danielson would be my first choice. Yeah, he's he's been in Japan, he's been to Europe, he's had a developmental deal. I, I mean, that's still not optimal. I mean, he's still... I, I think you should really be wrestling, you know, ten, fifteen years before you start training. But, like right. you said, if for someone below thirty or twenty-five, that's probably the best choice. So yeah, I mean, he uh, he's he's really, really good. So yeah, yeah, so it's acceptable. But anyway, um, maybe for the show, um, I should start with the big angle first. Sure. Well, uh, if you'll recall, when we last left off talking about ROH in uh, in May. The Ring of Homicide show, which actually just came out on DVD this weekend, and I would highly recommend it, mm-hmm. um, uh, happened where uh, Homicide showed his allegiance to Ring of Honor, and he came out and he beat the Necro Butcher in a match. And since that time, they've kind of run an angle where Homicide, you know, he keeps he keeps fighting for Ring of Honor, but things keep happening that kind of make him disenchanted with, with the company. Like, I think at the Connecticut show that I missed and that you were at, um, maybe you can talk about what happened there. Uh, yeah, there was a, a finish where uh, Danielson kept giving Homicide elbows, and the ref, Todd Sinclair, stopped it. And, um, you know, Homicide never gave up, and they tried to get it restarted, got Jim Cornette on the phone, but he wouldn't restart it, upheld the decision. Homicide flipped out, walked out. Yeah. And they did pretty much the same thing in Chicago last month with a pure title match between Homicide and Nigel McGuinness, where he lost by countout, and he also kind of flipped out and did the same thing. So they kept so like they kept teasing that Homicide wanted to help ROH but things kept happening that would kind of put him off of the idea. Mm-hmm. So um after that the angle was that he he walked off, he wouldn't answer anyone's phone calls or anything like that. So on the ROH videos website they had Dave Prazak hunt him down in Florida where he was hanging out with SoCal Val for some reason. And uh mm-hmm. and he basically said that he would be in Philadelphia and he would he would um he would fight for Team Ring of Honor under you know if he got if he got three wishes granted to him by Jim Cornette so uh so that was that kind of set the stage the main event on the show was a cage of death match which is CZW's um trademark match pretty much they have it every year in December mm-hmm. usually does their best crowd of the year so this time they had it in uh in ROH and the, this was sort of the climax to that feud the uh, the the advertised uh, the advertised teams were Ring of Honor, Samoa Joe, A. Steele, Adam Pierce, B.J. Whitmer, and a mystery partner against Chris Hero, Necro Butcher, Nate Webb, 
Claudio Castagnoli and the mystery partner. And the idea was that, you know, they would, they want, they wanted Homicide to be the mystery partner for Ring of Honor, but you were wondering whether or not he would be the mystery partner for CZW instead and stuff like that. So in the middle of the show, Jim Cornette comes out and addresses Homicide. But before he can really say what he's going to do, Brian Danielson interrupts him and tells him that since he's the guy who's, you know, who represents Ring of Honor, he has the title, and Homicide keeps uh, demanding things, Danielson said that he should be the guy on Team ROH. And Cornette kind of liked that reasoning. He said, well, you're not asking me for anything. You just want to help. So, so yeah, so you got, you, uh, you, got, you got the spot. So then in the Cage of Death match, which was uh, a lot longer than I expected, it had War Games rules where the guys would enter. Um, you know, the first two guys would start out for five minutes, and then guys would enter every two minutes thereafter alternatingly. Um, Ring of Honor got the coin flip advantage, so their guy would come in first. And then once all the guys were in the ring, they would be able to, um, you'd be able to win the match by pinfall or submission. So, um, and also, as you know, they had J.J. Dillon as the assigned guy guarding the door. So, <laughs> so that, that sort of plays, in, plays into, into it later on. But, uh, yeah, the match went a lot longer than I expected. Like, the really, it's, it's almost as though the match didn't really even start until, until everybody was out, which was, you know, well over 20 minutes into the match. I think it went 40 minutes in total. Yeah, yeah, the match went 40 minutes. So really, so there's like another almost 20 minutes after after the last guy entered the ring. So what happened was um, uh, Samoa Joe started the match for Claudio. I mean, for ROH, and Claudio started the match for CZW. And you know they had a they had a pretty entertaining sequence. Um, you know, Joe did the ole ole kick, you know, tossed him around. Claudio threw a ladder into Joe. Um, then up next for ROH was B.J. Whitmer. Then, you know, usual action happened. Uh, then the next guy for... Oh, uh, just uh, how did the uh, crowd react to B.J.? Someone told me he was uh, very over. Yeah, he's, you know, almost everywhere now. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty well over because of this angle. This, this angle's finally, uh, finally found him a, a niche, I guess, as being the, uh, the guy who takes all the punishment. Uh, I, uh, I just remember in Connecticut when he wrestled Christopher Daniels, and uh, no, no one cared. Oh, I, wow. I just felt bad because, well, I mean, they were working hard, but no one had really seen the CDW stuff. You know, it had been the first show there in forever, and right. I just felt bad for him. But I'm glad he's getting. Uh, yeah, getting I'm used over. to I'm used to seeing these shows in like in New York, New Jersey, Philly, where the CZW stuff is a lot more prominent. So hmm. that stuff works a lot better. I don't really know what what BJ's going to do now after the after the upcoming barbed wire match with Necro Butcher. Hmm. But. Uh, yeah, so, um, and the next guy out for, uh, for CZW was Chris Hero, so they had a two-on-two match. Then, uh, then Danielson came out, and he kind of cleaned house on CZW, and he, um, he did some double teams on the guys with, with Joe, and then he told Joe to take Hero and hit the muscle buster. So Joe got, so Joe got Hero up, and Danielson clipped him from behind, and, and then took Joe's leg out, and, Worked on it some more, hit it with a chair and stuff, and then he gave uh, the give hero a stomp to uh, to kind of signify that he wasn't actually joining TCZW. He was just out for himself. So the end result of that was that Joe was taken out of the match, and Danielson was taken out of the match. So that left it a two on one against Whitmer. And um, the next that is uh, that is some brilliant. I thought that was a really uh, smart booking there because not only does it make Danielson out to be the biggest dick in the world, but it gives uh, ROH the disadvantage having two guys 
out of the match, and then it sets up what happened later on. Yeah, it was really clever booking, because I, I actually was surprised. You know, the traditional War Games booking is that the faces get the disadvantage so they can overcome the odds. Mm. But um, but in this situation, they, they kind of figured out a creative way around that, where the, uh, where the faces got the advantage, but then through other means were given the disadvantage. So it ended up, ended up working up. It ended up working out the same way, but it still, uh, mm. you know, it still was a little bit different. So, but yeah, a lot of people were complaining about, and I don't think it was usually it was mostly the people that were at the show, but that Joe was taken out of the match so early, and that he, you know, he hasn't been wrestling as much for Ring of Honor. His matches have been shorter. He hasn't, he hasn't, his matches haven't lived up to the average the average standard that they had in 2004. Hmm. But uh, you know, I can kind of see something in that, like he. Uh, you know, he wrestled. He wrestled a few matches this year. You know, pretty much all out, like the uh, the, the CZW versus ROH match at the hundredth show, sure. the match with Kenta and Danielson uh, in June in New York. But he has been wrestling shorter, less uh, less high impact matches. But I'd say last night, I'm uh, not last night, su- uh, Saturday night, he um, he went pretty all out for the twelve or so minutes that he was in. He uh, you know, he did a lot of stuff. He took some bumps. He got hit with the ladder. He did all of his did all of his trademark spots. So I really have no complaints about what Joe did. We got a good dose of Joe, and then, uh, and then they had the creative angle to get him out of the match. Hmm. So, um, so up next for CZW was Nate Webb. Then he was followed by Adam Pierce for ROH, and then who was followed by um, followed by Necro Butcher for CZW, and then A Steel came out and kind of like the, the, all that stuff, all those. You know, all that stuff was, was fine, but there's nothing particularly memorable going on, except for one spot where Nate Webb, I, and I haven't seen much of Nate Webb, so maybe this is like an, a normal spot for him, mm-hmm. but he did a like a moonsault van Terminator where he had one of the ROH guys, I forget which, um, on the other side of the ring, and they were holding a garbage can over his face. He, he leapt, on, leapt up onto the rope on the opposite side of the ring and backflipped all the way across the ring to kick the garbage can into the guy's face. I have he, uh, seen him do that spot in uh, previous years, so I guess that is... Uh, right. Oh, he had a name for it. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it's going to kill me. I'll, I'll think about it. I, I can't, <laughs> Go on. Can't, can't help you with that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, besides that, there was nothing super memorable going on during the sequence. But, you know, it was all, it was all entertaining. Then uh, the match kind of picked up when Ace Steel came out, mm-hmm. and he had a cowbell. And he just wore everyone out with a cowbell, which really worked out well because, you know, it made a really good sound and everyone was flipping out trace. So he uh, he definitely made his contribution to the match, even though some people were complaining about him being on the team since he's sort of a part-timer for yeah. ROH. Um, but um, eventually CZW was able to take over, get the advantage, and Hero got on the mic. And the, at this point, the fans were just pelting the ring with uh, with bottles and stuff. But he was he was able to he was able to finally get out his uh, his announcement that his mystery part his mystery partner for the CZW team was Eddie Kingston, who he's been having a feud with in CZW, and a lot of people wanted to see him involved in the feud. So he came out, kicked some ass for a while, and CZW was you know really taken over. It was you know one of those scenes where the heels were standing triumphantly, and everybody in ROH was was down until. Uh, until the crowd started chanting for Homicide like crazy, as they were trained to do by this angle. And uh, Homicide music hit, uh, one of the loudest pops you'll ever hear in a, from a crowd of that size. And he came out, um, 
sort he was wearing his uh, old natural born sinners outfit and he had a he had a board with him that said ouch on it <laughs> so he, yeah so he came out and he came in, he came into the ring and he was standing across from all the CZW guys and they they started looking around after a while think like starting to pat Homicide on the back like oh yeah he's going to he's going to join our team but instead, he took the board and he just smashed it over Eddie Kingston's head. Made one of the loudest thuds I've ever heard. It was crazy. So everyone freaked out. And the you know the crowd was going nuts. Um, Homicide did all of his big spots. The ROH team kind of woke up and they went went to town. Uh, Homicide gave out ghetto forks to every member of the ROH team, and they all were having a good time jabbing people in the forehead. Um, there was one cool spot. B.J. Whitmer had brought out a sack of of thumbtacks, but it was never used. He just put it in the corner. So there's a spot where uh, Necro Butcher was running at Homicide, and Homicide kind of laid down a few thumbtacks in front of him, so Necro kind of started stepping on the thumbtacks and stopped short, which allowed Homicide to get in some moves on him. Oh. So, so that was a pretty clever spot. Um, then uh, some other memorable stuff was uh, in Chris Hero doing a moonsault off of the cage onto a few guys on the floor. There's a spot where um, B.J. Whitmer gave, it was almost like a backdrop. He kind of held him in behind his back and just dropped back um, from the ring to the floor with Necro Butcher through a table, a barbed wire cover table, actually. And um, Claudio and Adam Pierce um, did a, a side Russian leg sweep off the, off the cage through two tables. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Steel did a dive toward with the table set up diagonally against the cage onto Eddie Kingston, but Kingston moved out of the way. So Steel crashed head first through the through the table. So the match went on, like I said, for a while after Homicide got out there. But finally, uh, finally everyone was down, and Homicide was alone in the ring with Nate Webb, and they brought out a barbed wire board, and they did you know they did some tease spots, and Homicide eventually got the cop killer on Nate Webb onto the barbed wire board, Ouch. which was yeah. Ouch. And, uh, and Homicide finally got the pin, so ROH was finally triumphant in the feud. Uh, I think it was a good idea to, uh, to end the feud now. Um, uh, a lot of people were talking about wanting it to go on for the end of the year, yeah. but I, you know, I kind of think it was running its course. They were kind of doing the same angle at every show to stall until this one. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what your thoughts on it are. But. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much run its course. You don't want to drag this out too long. Uh, it's been a six-month angle, you know, start to finish. I thought the booking of this was great because CCW can say, well, ROH had to use six guys, yeah. you know, to win. ROH can say, you know, we beat them in their oh, match, and it was still four on five at the end. And Danielson didn't really help ROH all that much since they took no. out one of his guys and left and took an open spot. So both sides yeah, so, have their excuses. Yeah, so uh, no one comes out. You know, both sides come out probably for the better. Yeah, I would say so. I mean. This is, I mean, as long as they leave it at this, and then obviously the match coming up uh, next Friday in Dayton between uh, Necro Butcher and B.J. Whitmer, the barbed wire match. Um, if they just leave it with that, then I would say overall this is probably the best invasion, you know, uh, brand, you know uh, promotion versus promotion feud I've ever seen. There was, there's really nothing major that I would complain about it, but and uh, and both sides really did come out stronger because ROH got a lot of big houses from the mm-hmm. angle. Especially in Philly, they kind of revived their um, their old home market, which had which had pretty much dropped off significantly 
in 2004 and 2005, and um, and CZW, like you know, who was really even thinking about CZW back in January until the mm-hmm. angle started? So, like, I, so I don't really buy it when people complain about uh, CZW not looking good from this angle. I, yeah. I can't imagine that they're any worse off than they were before it. No, I, I'm really conf- like why? It seems like this is it. The end of the feud. CZW guys are done, and now we have a. a- barbed wire match coming up in uh, yeah. Dayton, and that just seems like a weird epilogue. Yeah, I mean, I guess what they're going to bill it as is B.J. Whitmer's personal revenge. Oh, all right. Since, since he's been, since he's really has been the sacrificial lamb, he's taken all the big, the big bumps, the big hits. So, uh, so I, so I think he deserves his own little moment in the in the sun, and that's his, that's the, his, the closest to things that he has to a hometown crowd in Dayton. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a nice little thing for him. Probably be the. <laughs> I, don't probably know how, I don't know how nice he'll feel at the end of the night, but. <laughs> yeah, well, all things considered, since he's uh, he's apparently an incredible masochist, I I can't get over what that guy does. You know, Necro Butcher. It's like at least he's in clearly insane, but DJ was just you know he you know for a while he was just building himself as you know a typical ROH athletic wrestler, and then he's done all he you know he started doing all this stuff so. Mm. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Good feud. Uh, good good climax. And then ROH did something which I really didn't expect. I thought they would just end this with the uh, end this on the high note, but they decided to you know to go for it and totally change course and set up their next major angle. What happened was um, Jim Cornette came out and he started talking trash to the CZW guys. He said, "Get the hell out of the ring. Don't come back." Um, the crowd was shouting na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye, and um, that left uh, Cornette, JJ Dillon, uh, and uh, Homicide in the ring. And Adam Pierce was still in the cage on the outside, kind of recuperating, and he eventually got into the ring. But um, you know, he, uh, Cornette started saying, you know, um, thank you, Homicide. I, you know, you really showed your true colors, and I will, I'll grant you your three wishes. So uh, Homicide got on the mic, and the crowd immediately started chanting "Low Key, Low Key," since uh, the, since Low Key had kind of been, kind of been, for lack of a better term, fired from Ring of Honor mm. back in February because of uh, uh, problems with, I guess, payoffs or something like that. With uh, yeah, I, with I guess Gabe. he asked for more money, and that just yeah. wasn't happening. So that was yeah. the end of that. And in angle terms, he uh, he apparent he was supposedly uh, uh, hit. Jim Cornette, like, blindsided him and knocked out two of his teeth. So Jim Cornette permanently suspended him. Ah. So uh, so that was the setup for this little bit where um, Homicide, his first wish was that he got a one-on-one match with Steve Carino, mm-hmm. and um, which, you know, they had, those two guys have a uh, have a long history. You, I think, were at the uh, barbed wire match between the two of them back in uh, Thanksgiving weekend 2003. That's right. I was at the first uh, War of the Wire, and uh, let me tell you, people say watching that match on, on DVD or tape was um, intense and scary, but it's it was absolutely nothing like seeing it live. Because if you watch it on tape, you know, you know, nobody lost uh, an eyeball or was seriously injured, and you right, didn't, right. Uh, I did not know that watching live. That was really scary stuff, and I hope things go okay in Dayton. But but yeah, yes, definitely. I was there for that, and uh, they had the the what was it? Bitter friends, stiffer enemies. Yeah, which I actually fight. Per- which I actually prefer. Mm. To the barbed wire match, I thought that was one of the best Ring of Honor matches in 2003. That was really good. And then their uh, their most recent match uh, happened in New York in December of 05, 
and that was the match where Homicide went for his uh, his tope con hilo onto Carino, and he kind of overshot him, mm-hmm. and Homicide landed badly on his shoulder, and he you know, he had a serious shoulder injury for a while. So um, so they have history there. So that's uh, that was a good little tease. They, apparently. ROH doesn't actually even know when they're going to have that match. They just wanted to set up that they will be having it. Hmm. So uh, then wish number two for Homicide was a world title shot, which wasn't surprising. Um, and Cornette granted them both of those wishes. Um, so uh, so, the fi- so Cornette asked Homicide, how can you possibly top those those two wishes? So Homicide said, like he, the, cr- the crowd was chanting low-key, and Homicide nodded and said, Yep, my third wish is that you reinstate Loki. And there was kind of a pause, and the crowd was going nuts, but then Cornette said, got a problem with that. And he told Homicide that Loki got suspended, he knocked out Cornette's teeth, and his promise was to do things for Homicide, not for Homicide's friends. And Homicide got back on the mic and said, you're a liar, you told me you'd give me your three wishes, and, and you're, you're backing down. So Cornette said, I don't know if your name is Homicide or Homocide, because I said I'd do something for you. And obviously that's about the biggest insult you could do for Homicide, based on past uh, past experience. So he, uh, Homicide flipped out, and then, well, he didn't actually flip out. He kind of turned around and gave, gave a look to the crowd. Then he turned back around and spit right in Cornette's face. So um, Adam Pierce, who had been Cornette's lieutenant commissioner, uh, jumped into the ring and... Uh, and knocked out Homicide from behind. And then J.J. Dillon actually came came over and started putting the boots to Homicide, which, so, um, I guess, you know, as kind of a reference to the uh, to the old horseman locking Dusty Rhodes in the cage angle, oh. I, I imagine that was uh, part of the pluses of Dillon's involvement in this. They handcuffed Homicide to the, to the ropes, and Cornette started whipping him with a belt, and... Uh, and he sprayed, uh, I don't know if it was pepper spray or something, a mace into his, uh, into Homicide's face. And then uh, Smokes, Julius Smokes started trying to climb over the, uh, over the guardrail, and Cornette, not over the guardrail, over the cage, and Cornette sprayed the stuff in Smokes' face, too. And then all of the uh, ROH students came out and tried to get into the cage, and Pierce and Dylan were blocking them. But eventually they all came in, and Cornette and... Pierce and Dylan kind of hightail it to the back, and people checked on Homicide. So, yeah, that was a a pretty big and pretty unexpected angle to close out that show. So is Jim Cornette, um, is he like a, a heel commissioner now, or is this just kind of a, a beef with Homicide he has? Uh, I mean, definitely at the show, he seemed like a heel commissioner. They had, you know, the entire ROH security staff, all the, all the students, going after him trying to save Homicide. So it seems like he's a heel. And, you know, I was actually going to say that's something that really surprises me because Gabe said since the beginning of ROH that uh, Gabe Polsky that is said that um, said that the heel commissioner act is one of the most tired things and he wasn't going to do it. And now ROH is doing it. I really never expected them to go that route. Mm. Well, we'll see where they go with this. And uh, yeah. if anyone can make it work, I'm sure Jim Cornette can. I've seen a lot of his promos so far on the CCW feud and. Yeah. Boy, this is, I mean, this is just the, the best mic work you will hear in 2006. Well, it's like not even close. Yeah. And I'd say, um, I would say that one thing I have faith in our way to do is to make it 
make the something that seems cliched different. And like you, like I like uh, you said, they might do something where it's just kind of Cornette is generally a good guy, but he's you know he has a personal beef with homicide or something like that. Yeah, they have a lot of ways to make something different. And I you know I I trust the ROH bookers with that because they've really never done a major major angle that's been that's been bad really. Mm. Since since it, since it started, there've been some there've been some silly things, obviously, but they they usually put some good care into the booking of the top angles. The 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 other thing is this is the very first time I would say the Ring of Honor has really gone with a top superhero babyface going up against top heels and chasing the world title belt. Anyway, it's something that almost every wrestling promotion ever has done, yeah. but I don't really think Ring of Honor has ever done it. So. You know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I don't know what your thoughts are on that one, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll see where it goes. I didn't really thought about it like that, but we shall see. We'll talk about future booking in a bit. But there actually were other matches on this show. Uh, let's there go. Were. Let's go through the card real quick. Uh, in the opener, I guess for ROH videos, we had Delirious beating Cool Seth Delay. Yep, uh, it was a quick match. Uh, not much to it, but Delirious is a really entertaining character. Everything about the match was fine. It was. Fun, entertaining. My uh, my friend who went with me, who's not a wrestling fan at all, not up on the ROH product at all. This was one of his favorite matches. He really liked Delirious. Delirious is really good at you know getting the crowd into the matches, and his work is really solid too. And he won with the uh, the Cobra Stretch, and you know like I said, pretty good. Uh, something maybe worth checking out for a few minutes on ROH videos, but nothing you need to go out of your way to see. All right. Then we had the newest member of the Embassy, Sal Renaro, teaming with Jimmy Rave over Cole Cabana and Jay Lethal. Yeah. If there's one thing that I would say Ring of Honor uh, doesn't deliver well on, it's uh, it's mystery partners and surprises and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I mean, I so I knew kind of going in that it was going to be someone like that because I mean the very first time, I mean, well, when uh, two years ago actually at uh, Reborn Completion. Nana was teasing that he would unveil his newest member of the embassy, be the crown jewel, the big star, and it was Jimmy Rave, which uh, which at the time was was pretty ridiculous considering yeah. what Jimmy Rave had done. I mean, it it obviously worked out oh, very yes. very well, but um, so, but I kind of thought figured the same thing was going to happen, and uh, and I thought that was kind of a funny a funny thing, and the way they played it was that Sal Bernardo was um, wasn't treated like, the same as the other guys in the embassy. He wasn't treated like Alex Shelley or Jimmy Rave. He wasn't treated with uh, with lots of respect and reverence by Nana. He was kind of the male version of Jade Chung. He, he's, you know, as a henchman, Jimmy Rave actually slapped him one time. He's kind of going to be the, uh, the whipping boy for the embassy. So I think that's a, that's a good little twist. Yeah, um, I like Sale. I think that's a good fit for him. Uh, I, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was catching up on, on the DVDs, and I saw his... Uh, tag title reign with uh, Tony Mamaluke and I don't know that that was strange it's like what what was the point I mean they they won the belts they lost them kind of you know didn't do much then and I don't know it was just strange yeah I mean it seems like it's probably that they uh, they expected to do more with those guys yeah. I, I think that was starting to be around the time where they really wanted to reassert the tag division and they thought maybe you know starting with a brand new tag team would do the trick but uh yeah I guess it didn't really click as well as they would have hoped, and they just went with Aries and Strong, which worked out a lot better. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is definitely, I'd say, the best, uh, the best fit for Renaro of anything he's done in ROH. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully things will work out for him. The match itself was was good. You know, just basic. 
fun tag team stuff like the like the previous match was just basic. Um, you know, Lethal worked hard. You know, he didn't he didn't seem like he was half assing it because this wasn't you know, he wasn't actually a member of the promotion anymore or anything like that. You know, he seemed at home and Cabana was good. They didn't they didn't go out of their way to do anything special. But everything was fine. It was perfect for its place on the card. Uh embassy won. And uh and that's about it. <laughs> All right, then we had uh, Nigel McGuinness beating Roderick Strong by countout to retain the pure title. Heard this was real good. Yeah, this was this was definitely the pleasant surprise of the night. They had a match back in September at Glory by Honor 4, which I was at, and there was really nothing memorable at all about that match. It was it was it was good, but nothing memorable at all. This match actually, when it started, the CZW crowd was trying to crap on it. They were chanting, "This is awful," at it, and all that stuff. But within, like, five, ten minutes of the match going on, they were just going at such a pace. Roderick was just kicking the crap out of Nigel, and they were doing tons of near falls and big spots and stiff stuff. That The entire crowd got with the match, even the people who were chanting, this is awful, prior to it. They did some, some great teases. They had uh, Roderick get into the ring at the last second after a, at the count of 19, because in pure title matches, there's a 20 count on the floor. Mm-hmm. They had... Um, they had a great spot where Roderick just uh, just pelted like pelted the crap out of Nigel's head with kicks and kept springing Nigel back into the ropes um, to do kind of his pendulum thing, but he kept kicking him back. And eventually, Nigel got his pendulum elbow off, and he got that got a really great near fall on on Roderick. The finish came when um, they were both outside of the ring, and Nigel just kind of blocked. Strong from getting into the ring. He, he stood between Strong and the apron. He just stayed there until like 19 and a half, and then he darted into the ring to retain the title by countout. Which uh, the crowd didn't really like that finish, but I thought it was fine. I think those pure title matches, for some reason, to me at least, the countout finishes don't seem as screwy as they do in like WWE or whatever, because they do it in a clever way and it's special rules for the match. It just to me makes Nigel look like he's good at good at wrestling those matches with those rules. Yeah, I think if if you don't, I mean, there are no countouts in the other ROH matches. So if you just have them in these specialized mm-hmm. matches and you're creative about it, I think it, it'll get over fine. Yeah, and like I said, great match, I would say. Like maybe, maybe not, I don't know, maybe in the four-star range, maybe not quite, but really good match, definitely worth checking out. All right, then we had the uh, Cornette Angle with Homicide and Danielson. And then I guess the post-intermission match was uh, Jay and Mark Briscoe defeating Irish Airborne. Probably a quickie match, but the Briscoe's over. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was, the only intermission was before the cage match, too. And ah, okay. Up the cage. But, um, yeah, this was, a, this was, I would think I was expecting a little bit more from this match, maybe, but not too much. It, like, it was, it, was still, it was a very good match. It was, wasn't too long, but, you know, they kept it moving. They did a lot of good stuff. Uh, Briscoe's hit a lot of their big spots. Uh, Irish Airborne hit most of theirs. They got out of the way of some of the Briscoes stuff. It's a good athletic match. Uh, the Briscoes won with, uh, I believe, I believe it was the, uh, I believe it was the cutthroat driver, but I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, then we had AJ Styles beating Davey Richards. Heard this one, um, heard different things. Heard it was a, a good match. Heard other reports say they, they didn't mesh well together. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was a good match, and I and I didn't think they had uh, problems meshing together, but I definitely thought it was a disappointment. They worked it a lot differently than you would expect them to, and a lot differently than they advertised, because Dave specifically said 
in the in the news wires that this is going to be an amazing athletic match. David Richards was really looking forward to having this match to showcase his athletic side, all that stuff. And uh, and instead, they kind of just worked a slow technical match, and the crowd was burned out because obviously there was no intermission until mm. before the uh, before the last match. So um, so yeah, I mean it didn't it didn't come off nearly as well as it could have. It was you know still a good match, but. Uh, there's just there's just nothing memorable about it. They didn't do any any real you know, creative or exciting athletic spots that you might expect them to do. You know, I wouldn't say anybody if they just saw these two guys from this based on this match, they wouldn't be impressed with either of them. Mm. But, but uh, all right, yeah, AJ AJ won with the Styles Clash. Okay, and lastly, we had Brian Danielson beating Sanjay Dutt to retain the ROH World Title. I read, did this go like 18 minutes? Yeah. That's that should have gone. It should have gone like four. Yeah, I. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it it was it was better than I expected it to expected it to be. Honestly, the uh, the crowd heat was great for it. The uh, the crowd on their own started a uh, you're gonna get your effing head kicked in chant, which uh, huh. Dan, Danielson has been trying to lead them on to starting a few times before now, but they started a big one on their own tonight, which uh, Danielson applauded after it was finished. Um, and you know, it was, it was a great showcase for Danielson. Uh, that got in a few, you know, a few of his high spots, a couple of near falls, but he just looked like, you know, like he just looked so outmatched. You know, Danielson looked really big compared to him, and Danielson's pretty small. Mm. So, um, but yeah, Danielson got in all of his spots, did a um, a rolling surfboard, um, which he doesn't usually do. Um, he usually does the regular one. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he won with his uh, with his usual uh, elbows to the face, ref stoppage finish. And, you know, like I said, better than expected. Dutt, you know, Dutt brought some charisma to it. Danielson, shockingly enough, always has charisma these days. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say this was this is something that is uh, is worth checking out. It's a good match. All right, so sounds like a thumbs-up show, get the DVD when it comes out, which... Uh... Yep, definitely. All right, so let's, coming up in ROH, we have a couple big Danielson matches. He has Samoa Joe on August 5th, and then Kenta on, at least, September 16th. Yeah, um, and a, a, a match against Nigel McGuinness in Cleveland next uh-huh. weekend, which uh, which uh, is a rematch of a very well-received match they had uh, in April. And, um, yeah, I, I've been looking forward to the uh, Danielson versus Joe match now for since, since Danielson won the title. They had a match in... Uh, I mean, they've had a few matches in the past, but their last major match was for Ring of Honor in October 2004 in Philadelphia, and they went about 40-something minutes, and that match kind of has gotten mixed reviews. I personally thought it was a great match. Mm, but, I agree. Yeah, but um, I'd say this one kind of has an added element now because, for one, Danielson is just so much more complete. Like, he was he was a, an awesome wrestler at that time, but he, he has the personality going for him. He could just... He could really tell a dramatic story if those two guys wanted to go out there for a long match with Joe. And they're, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to say because they, they're, you know, they both get to work an unrestricted indie kind of style and do their own thing. But I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who would argue they're the two best wrestlers in America right now. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see what they can do against each other now. And uh, as far as, uh, and they, you know, they have that angle going on from the last show. With the uh, with Danielson taking out Joe's knee, so mm-hmm. should be a lot going on there. As far as the match with Kenta, um, I don't know what to expect out of that one. The you know some of the stuff with uh, 
like the exchanges with Danielson and Kenta in March and in uh, in June in New York City were, uh, you know, were just kind of, uh, you know, they were good stuff, but there was no, there was nothing especially spectacular. They did, they did some cool stuff together, but uh, you know, I don't know how well their styles are going to mesh. Who do you think is going to ultimately uh, unseat Danielson? The uh, title. Well, the way, the way they're they're building up the angle now, it seems like Homicide is probably the guy they're they're building up. They haven't really done that in the past, where they build up a guy to win the title and then he wins it. Mm. And uh, you know, I mean, there's a first for everything, and I think it would be a good way to end the year. Um, at the same time, I don't know if it's necessary to take the belt off of Danielson if he's still doing well in his reign. Mm. But he'll be he'll be well over a year by December if he's actually loses it to Homicide. The uh, the other options that I can think of are maybe Davy Richards because they like to do that with a new guy and like they did with Austin Aries, kind of um, mm. put him on the map with with that. But you know, it depends on how well Davy Richards does. He had a you know he had a few good matches, um, a couple against Jimmy Ray, but he hasn't had anything like especially star making like Austin Aries had against Danielson two years ago. Mm. So, but you know they're high on him, and I you know they definitely want to push him. So we'll see what happens there. Um, other than that, I really, I really can't think of who who could beat Danielson. I think Roderick Strong may actually do it. Yeah, um, I really do. I think I, that's kind of why he didn't re-sign with TNA. Hmm. Because uh, they're, I mean, they 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 kind of building for it. I could just see this, you know, maybe next year. Maybe he doesn't beat Danielson, but eventually, I think he's going to be yeah, ROH I mean, champ. That that was something I was thinking earlier in the year, but. Then they kind of started moving away from him, but you know they, that makes sense actually. They they have the three uh, they have the three matches. He loses all three times. People kind of forget about him, and then he kind of reemerges as a contender and finally does it. I could see them doing something where maybe Homicide wins the title, and then Roderick wins it from him a few months later, mm-hmm. and they kind of build to a match against Danielson as the one guy Roderick couldn't beat or something like that. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, hey. Could work. Uh, what about Nigel McGuinness? He's approaching. He is just about shy of a year holding that pure title. Yeah, who would have? Who would have thunk that? Um, and he's he's also really come on strong in the past like four or five months. He um, uh, he's you know, he had main event matches against uh, Danielson. He just had a great match with Strong. He had a really good match with Daniels. A bunch of matches with Claudio Castagnoli. And his promos have been a lot better too. They've, uh, he's done some really intense, serious promos on ROH uh, DVD releases and stuff. So you know, I mean, I don't really see any reason for him to lose that title in the in the near future. Like there's there's nobody that really needs it, and it, it's helped him a lot. And he's really good at working the matches. So I think maybe he could just be a perennial pure champion. I don't know if, what the if that's the direction that they're going in, but. I think that might not be a bad idea. All right, and uh, what about the tag titles? Uh, Strong and Aries, the longest reigning ROH champs. Think the Briscoes eventually unseat them? I I do think so. Uh, Aries and Strong they've they've been they've worked out well, but I actually think the Briscoes have been more impressive. They've uh, like I, I was talking about this last time I was on the show. They uh, they they've really just been they've looked really incredible since coming back. And uh, I just read recently in the Observer that since they've looked so good, Gabe wants to focus on them even more. So I, if I were to guess, I would say the Briscoes will be tacting champions by the end of the year. And that also allows Aries and Strong to either go back to wrestling singles or to travel more to other promotions, which they seem to be wanting to do. So 
I think that would work out for in both cases. I don't know, you know, what other tag teams would be around to challenge the Briscoes. I guess they can run with Rave and uh, and Renato for a while. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm actually surprised that they uh, that they're not keeping Chris Hero around because I thought he added a lot to this show, and I also thought that him and Casanoli would be a really good full-time tag team as heels in ROH. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty much the top tag team on the Indies outside of ROH. So, I don't know, but apparently apparently not. Yeah, apparently the CZW guys are, are all done now, at least uh, the, after the Necro Butchers um, barbed wire match. But yeah, I don't... I like to keep Chris Hero around as an instigator, even yeah. if they don't think he fits the mold, but that would be good. I can't imagine that they're uh, they're unhappy with how he's done in this angle. Yeah, really. Well, um, I just I was just watching the um, start of the fourth anniversary show, and that when uh, the CCW guys interrupted the the Daniels Whitmer match, and mm-hmm. the ROH guys came out, and the place is just going nuts. I'm like, you know, that, that's tremendous stuff. So yeah, it is. The heroes really uh, he's really brought it in this angle. Like the first match he had against Danielson was kind of a disappointment, but since then. You know, he's just been he's just been the best heel that ROH has had since probably uh, probably CM Punk last year. Mm. What about uh, Kenta and Marafuji? Do you think they'll get a uh, a tag title show out when they come in? Because Kenta did beat um, Strong and Aries on consecutive nights. Uh, yeah, I think they will get a shot. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I can actually even see them getting a run with it. That might add uh, some supposed prestige to the belts and they could uh they could maybe defend it i don't i don't know if they would even do that but they have those like junior shows that they run sometimes sure they, they could defend it there in japan and lose it back in a, in a little while later back in the states i don't i don't think that would necessarily be the worst thing but uh yeah, i'm pretty sure they'll at least get a shot and yeah. i think that would be a i think that would be, be a really good match i expect those two teams to click really well together hopefully that would be on the uh, 915 show in connecticut which yeah I... hopefully for you yeah, hopefully for me. But um, where are you at in uh, your ROH DVD watching for 2006? I um, I'm I'm pretty much current. I I haven't watched the the newest DVDs that came out, but I got them uh, at the show on on Saturday. So uh, I'm pretty much up on it up on everything that's that's out. So you've seen the uh, Dragon Gate uh, six man on the yes. 331 show. Yes, I have. And what do you think of that that much talked about match? <laughs> Like, it's like, I don't want to criticize it because, like, I'm definitely not the type that's going to point out all oh, this. They missed, you know, they, you know, there was an illegal man here or something, mm-hmm. or they missed the spot, or this, or this didn't make sense because he worked on his back and so and so like that. But, uh, you know, that was it was a great, great match, and I, it's something that I recommend that everyone sees. But at the same time, it's not, it's not the kind of match that I would, you know, call best match ever, or five stars or anything like that, just because I don't know. As far as my tastes go, I kind of want the match to have a little bit more emotional impact or a feeling of importance to it. Whereas in that match, I don't think anybody watching it really cared who won. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I kind of cared who won because I was a big fan of the uh, of the winning team. But um, that, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, not there nor here. Yeah, I meant in the crowd. Like yeah, in, in the crowd, in, it didn't really. They were just they were just chanting for the moves. Yeah. So I kind of like that, that you know that intensity and that atmosphere. I thought actually the Strong versus Danielson match was my uh, that uh, on that same show was probably my favorite match of the year because that just has more of the elements that I'm into. But you know, really no serious knock on that Dragon Gate match. Uh, 
yeah, almost, you know, pretty much everyone should see that match, and a lot of them will think it's one of the best things they've ever seen. All right. Uh, I caught a few shows. I, I caught up with shows um, earlier this year. Have you seen did you, Have you seen the Unscripted show from uh, earlier this year? Yeah, I saw that. What did you think of that show? Um, mm, forgettable. If you, uh, if you like CM Punk, it's something to get because you get a lot of him, but there was nothing really uh, tremendously memorable on that show. The main event, uh, which was Danielson and Punk against uh, Pierce and... And Rave was a was a good match, and Punk gave his little speech at the end of the at the end of the match, and kind of uh, crapped on a guy in the crowd for a, an excessively long time. And uh, that, that could have been a double DVD for me with the second disc of him just just crapping on the guy some more. But yeah, but um, yeah, that uh, that that was that was fun. Um, yeah, they did a really good job with the show. I would say, considering what happened, because that was the night of the big snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they were scheduled to have Alex Shelley, Homicide, and Jay Lethal all on that show, and they were all pulled because they had a, a TNA pay per view the next day, and they for whatever reason for scheduling conflicts and what have you, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, and AJ Styles all weren't booked on the show, so they were really running with a um, like somewhat depleted roster, and they still managed to put on a, a good show. Yeah, I thought it was. Um... I mean, with the cards they were dealt, I thought it was an okay show. It's nothing you really need to go out of your way to see. No, definitely. I, not. I thought the Austin Aries Nigel McGuinness match for the Pure Title was very, very good. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, I got I got to say about Adam Pierce. I mean, a lot of me doesn't want to like him, but I just can't help kind of liking him. I mean, I mean his outfit, you know, the the robe. It's just so goofy. I kind of get into it. Yeah, and I don't know, when when you see more of the ROH for CZW stuff, it'll um, you'll see that. Really, like he changes his act pretty much completely because he he goes from being a uh, an old school heel, which I guess is what he usually does, mm-hmm. to um, you know, to being this kind of ROH cheerleader, tough guy, street fighter. So his shtick pretty much changes completely. But I think he's really good in the uh, ROH defender role. He becomes a lieutenant commissioner later on, and I guess now he's going to be a Jim Cornette stooge in uh, in this feud against Homicide. So I guess he's going to be back to being heel, but um. Yeah, I think he's been a good addition. People were complaining about him at first. He doesn't have that super fast-paced, high-impact athletic style. But he's been really good in the brawling matches that he's had um, with CZW. And, uh, you know, he he does his his shtick well. And uh, did you see the Tag Wars DVD from... uh, That may have been the first show of the... Oh, no, second show of the year, I think. Yeah, I saw that. I I actually thought that was a very good show. It was kind of uh, getting slept on. Yeah, it it definitely was. I would say up until the... uh, the Milestone series, which was the fourth anniversary through the 100th show, mm-hmm. it was the best show of the year. Um, yeah, they had um, a lot of really good fast-paced tag team matches. There's a, a really exciting, fun opener with uh, Jack Evans, um, Matt Seidel, and Jimmy Yang against B.J. Whitmer, Jimmy Jacobs, and Adam Pierce. Just lots of fun stuff there. I, I, I was surprised when I saw it because I hadn't heard anything about that match, but it was, it was pretty spectacular. Lots of lots of good spots. And um, there, there was a... Uh, good main event with Aries and Strong defending against Danielson and um, Danielson and Lethal. There was a good match between um, Daniels and Loki. Um, so yeah, I said that that show um, out of um, out of all the ones in January and February, that's definitely one worth getting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think that's all I had to talk about. Unless there's uh, anything else ROH related uh, you want to discuss. Well, actually, I did actually have a quick question for you, if you don't mind, because sure. I, I was actually curious about this. I um, 
Yeah, I um, I'm a pretty big follower of ROH, but I'm kind of a you know kind of arrived late. I really got into it about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. But you actually attended the shows in early on. I think I know you went to shows in 2003, but I don't know about 2002. But I was I, at the uh, first Boston show in 2002. I think August uh, 02. Cool. And I was just I was curious, like, wh- how would you say like the live experience has changed? How would you say the crowds have changed? Because that's something that's kind of interested me because I haven't heard anyone talk about that. Um, being there, I mean, uh, they have a much better setup now with the lights and the sound system. I mean, back then it was just your basic indie show. They had the little, they didn't even have the fancy ROH guard. They just had the guardrails and, uh, you know, the, the lights all up. And from a live crowd, um, I don't know if there's a huge difference from then to now. I mean, people are, I mean, back then it was more of an unproven product and people are, are more into it now, but, um. I think they attracted largely the same kind of fan it did back then as it does mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I think if if I've noticed any difference in recent months, it's that there are more casual people at the shows because they know Samoa Joe mm. and Christopher Daniels from TNA, and they um, they go to see them. And there, there are probably some more kids than there used to be because of that same reason. Um, one other thing I'm curious about is late late in the uh, in the RF in the Rob Feinstein period. Um, They um they kind of got into doing the uh, doing the lighting and stuff. So I'm wondering if there you know if there was any noticeable immediate difference from the last show you went to before the RF split and the and the and the first show after it. Um, but the let me see. Let me. Th- I think the last show before the RF split was. Well, I'm trying to think. I think it was. Oh, it was the second anniversary show. Mm-hmm. And the first one after that was the round robin challenge where the tag belts were defended. Right. In each match. And I don't know if people seem uh, more, I don't know, tentative during the, the round robin challenge. Like maybe, you know, they weren't sure if this was going to stay afloat because that was when they had taken, you know, AJ and Christopher Daniels were taken off the cards and people weren't sure what the repercussions would be, and things seemed a bit more tentative, like, you know, we're not sure if this is going to go belly up, or uh-huh. right. yeah, we're going to try to enjoy this while we can. Right. That was kind of how I felt back then, but... Alright, cool. Yeah, that was just something that I was curious about. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm pretty much done, if you are. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you have anything you need to plug, but uh, if you do, go ahead. Uh, uh, Joe vs. the World. Best oh, show on the well. internet. Yeah, oh yeah, I want to bring the, there's a um, guy who posts on the F4W board in, in Death Valley Driver named Foy Wonder, and I always thought that was you. No, it is not. Oh, because uh, I remember last time I, I bring up I brought up Kane's movie and I mentioned you were a big horror fan and you seemed confused by that, but that was because I thought you were you were Foy Wonder who has like his own horror website. But yeah, I didn't no. want to um, I didn't want to kind of uh, you know uh, talk you down uh, live on the air and embarrass you. But yeah, I'm not really a big horror fan. Yeah, I, uh, I embarrass myself plenty on the air, so... Yeah, it's okay. Um, All right. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's always great to have you on. We will definitely have you back on again uh, next big ROH show. Are you going to try to hit up the uh, the uh, show with Kenta versus Danielson in September? I'm definitely going to try, yep. All right, if I can hit the uh, show the day before that, we'll do a, a double road report of sorts. Okay, great. We'll Pencil that in. Oh, and uh, Nate Webb's uh, Moonsault Van, uh, Van Terminator is called the Fang. 
right, cool. I did remember that. So there you Thank go. You. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. We have a full archive of shows up at thecubsfan.com. I think everything's on the front page, listed by guest and subject matter for your perusal. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and uh, tell your blood enemies too. So definitely want to thank uh, Matt Feuerstein for being on. Matt, do you have any final words? Mm, don't think so. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I will talk to you again real soon.